With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. What's that football focus doing? Last week they had Brady. This week they got We're doing it. We're literally doing it differently from everybody else. As a matter of fact, moving forward from this point on, I will not make reference to PFL. Do you not understand that they are that way because you're Joe Flacco? And you just like to discredit things that people deserve credit for. That you can't possibly be expected to defend that. Talk about the game, fam. So Who cares about what people think about us. Yeah, I like football, I like football season, all the things that go with it. We're back with the PFF NFL podcast today talking a monster trade, a former number four overall pick getting released and my favorite player getting hurt once again. Kind of a sad day, but we're going to kick things off with our friends over at Monkey Knife Fight. This is one of the best deals we've ever given out, Sam, for just $20. You put $20 in your account at Monkey Knife Fight and you're going to get a free PFF edge which is $40 of value. You get it for only 20 bucks. So you put the 20 bucks in, you get the opportunity to turn that 20 into even more money by playing daily fantasy and prop games at one of the fastest growing fantasy sports sites in the USA. That's monkey knife fight. And you go there, you deposit your $20 with the promo code PFF today, and you'll get PFF edge in return. This feels like a no brainer. So go check it out. It's monkey knife fight, deposit $20, the promo codes PFF, you get a free PFF edge and a chance to win even more money. Sam, let's get right into it. Yannick Ngakwe from the Jacksonville Jaguars to the Minnesota Vikings. Your thoughts? Yeah, an interesting move. Um, I I was kind of curious who was going to trade for him and what the considerations would be. You know, the, the talk that they want a first rounder and all this kind of stuff. That always seemed a little bit far-fetched. But Ngakwe is this fascinating character because he's still 25 years old like the vikings now have in terms of sort of proven pass rushers you've got Ngakwe and Danelle hunter both of whom are still tw- only 25 and both of whom have this incredible wealth of experience um but in theory he should be entering his prime he's got a one season of like elite pass rush production behind him but there's so many question marks attached to that. Like, he hasn't got back to that 2017 level since. Hasn't really been that close to it. He is as close to a liability in the run game as you're going to find from a, a, an edge rusher at the NFL level. Um, and, you know, there have been some issues in terms of essentially forcing his way out of Jacksonville, not wanting to stay there long term. So... I think it's worth rolling the dice if you're Minnesota. You didn't bring back Everson Griffin. You had the ability to make it happen. It's not an expensive deal. So, yeah, I think it's worth a shot. You've got a a defensive coach who's got experience of getting the most out of players. For them, I think it's worth a shot. For Jacksonville, clearly the guy didn't want to be there, and you probably weren't going to do better than this. So 
I don't know. If it's, I don't know if it's a win-win, but it's it's a decent deal, I think, for either side. Yeah, it's a second rounder and a conditional fifth that the Vikings have given up here, and I know a lot of people which can turn into funny, a the, third, uh, which could turn into a third with with the uh, and but also there's the whole compensatory pick situation and all that stuff, and if Minnesota lets him walk and he gets another monster deal, perhaps they end up getting a third in return. Whether that's their reasoning or not, um, I do think they were they they were heading into the season with a defense that loves to get pressure with their front four with only one legitimate option in Denell Hunter. Right. I think that's the big thing, right? There's a little bit of desperation here from the Vikings, I think, where uh, beyond Hunter, it's one of the worst defensive lines in the NFL. And when, they, when they've been good in recent years, they've had multiple rushers. We're just a couple years removed from Denell Hunter being their number three pass rusher, right? So uh, they, I, I, this felt like a move that, that made sense for a team that is half rebuilding and half contending in the NFC North as we broke down in there in, in the preview uh, uh, last week or two weeks ago. So uh, in Gakwe, as you mentioned, not good against the run. They're trying to relive some of that 2017 magic that the entire Jags team had where, you know, he can get after the quarterback, but I think at least having those two guys rushing off the edge uh, should help in Minnesota rather than having absolutely no pass rush which is what it looks like on paper beyond Denell Hunter. How, so. how good do you think he can actually be? Because I've seen a lot of people talk about him as an elite pass rusher. Um, and I think he has certain elite traits, but I don't know if he is an elite pass rusher. And I think the one season he had in 2017 where he played at that kind of level, there was a lot of um, – there was a lot of other quality on that defensive line as well that sort of allowed him to be more of a one-dimensional player. You can win around the edge constantly because we've got guys wrecking the inside as well, and you don't actually need that inside counter because the quarterback has to stay deep in the pocket with what's coming up the middle. But if that isn't there, he becomes what we talked about with these these sort of uh, speed rushers that don't have the the ability to convert it to power and to be more of an inside threat as well, and they become one-dimensional to the point where they're they're not easy to handle, but offensive tackles can deal with them. Like, you're going to give up some pressure, but if if the pocket inside is stable and the offensive lineman can live with that initial burst off the edge, you're going to be able to limit the effectiveness that Ngakwe can have. Yeah, I mean, I, th- I think in PFF terms, the last two years are probably what he is. He was He was a high 70s pass rusher from a grading standpoint, the last two years, the previous year is 87. That was uh, 2017. That was that, that peak season. Uh, and his win percentage has gone from 17 to 15 down to 13. So he's actually moving in the wrong direction, right. despite, as you said, being young, right? And we mention this all the time on the podcast, being young doesn't mean you're going to get better every single game, every single week, every single season. So um, I think, you know, something in the middle of like, hey, if he wins 15% of his rushes and is a high 70s, low 80s type of pass rusher, I mean, I think you're getting a lot of value out of that if you're the Minnesota Vikings. And then, as I said earlier, even more so because the question marks opposite to Nell Hunter were so great. Um, you know, this reminds me of like Laramie Tunsil going to Houston last year. It's like in a vacuum, you're going, you know, maybe you don't want to pay this for a left tackle. But when you have the literal worst left tackle situation in the NFL um, and then Tunsil did develop into one of the best pass blockers, they got immense value out of that so far in one year. So I think Minnesota might, might see that value because the alternative to Ngakwe just for this particular season right now uh, was pretty poor. So 
Um, I, I think he'll be all right. He does win with more speed. I think you have to hide him on early downs and all that stuff. Uh, but, you know, you've got Matthew Stafford and Aaron Rodgers and whoever the Bears trot out there. you got some guys you have to pressure, and I think Ngakwe and Hunter will end up being a pretty good duo. I don't see him getting back to that 2017 level of play, though. Do you? No, I don't see that as a thing. I think that was I think that was the one blip. Now anybody can. I mean, again, we range of outcomes all the time, right? I mean, sure. if he's going to grade between high seventies and high eighties, you know, for the next five or six years, you you get one or two of those seasons. But I don't think you're you're not trading for 2017. Looks like the arrows pointed up, and he's one of the best pass rushers in the NFL. I mean, you're getting a good, not great pass rusher. So right. Um, but again, I think I think the upgrade's massive just because you know who else were they going to be trotting out there this year? Not much. So. Um, let's move on to my favorite player getting hurt again, Sam. Derwin James is on the shelf. Yes. I'm sad. Mm. Meniscus injury. Um, yeah, it's not, it's not great. Um, if we just go back, you know, we, I, I use the phrase all the time. We have five years of data on Baker Mayfield and four of them are elite. Um, Derwin James, we have three years kind of of college <laughs> and two years kind of, uh, in the NFL. His first year of college, he was a true freshman. He was our highest graded safety. Then he played only 100-something snaps as a sophomore. And then as a junior, he came back again, was our highest graded safety. And then as a rookie, was one of the highest graded safeties in the NFL. And then last year, a couple hundred snaps, handful of snaps, and and that's it. So we really have about about three full seasons of Derwin James uh, grades out of five. And all three, he is by far among the best um, at, at a position that we always talk about, you know, can fluctuate a little bit. You can have bad years, you, can, you know, by uh, by pure production standards. Right. You could fluctuate a little bit. Sometimes you have a challenging role and it's dictated by the offense and all that stuff. Derwin has not had that. You know, he has found a way to produce no matter what when healthy. Now, unfortunately, he's going to be missing time for what half of those years, three out of six years since entering uh, big-time college football, um, I'm hoping it doesn't become, uh, you know, even more of a trend for, for Derwin going forward. Well, that was what I was going to ask is, like, how close is he to getting that injury-prone label? Uh, because at the moment, like, Derwin James being on the field is a significantly bigger question mark than how good Derwin James will be when he's on the field. Like, it's, it's pretty widely accepted that if Derwin James is out there, he's amazing. Um, right. But now that's starting to become kind of an issue. The other thing that was in so I, uh, effect on the Chargers. I, it sounds crazy, right? Because Derwin James is amazing, but I don't actually know that this hurts them that badly. Such as the way that they stacked that defensive secondary between the skill sets that you get with Chris Harris and with Desmond King, I think they're pretty well positioned to be able to ride through this and be all right. Um, like obviously, anytime you lose a guy as good as Derwin James, it's an issue, but it's not. It's not like fundamentally changing how good this defense is in a way that it would if, you know, other teams with elite playmakers had them disappear. Yeah, yeah. Let me just fast forward to our uh, to our week previews, right? And in week two, as we're previewing Chargers Chiefs, and in week four, we're previewing Chargers Bucks, and then in week uh, five, actually, Chargers Saints or six. I mean, it's their fifth game, Chargers Saints. They're playing three, potentially three of the best offenses in the NFL in their first five games. 
in this whole offseason, we were like, wow, the Chargers are doing it differently, right? They're, they're building from back to front. They're building a versatile secondary. They're adding one of the best cornerbacks of the decade in Chris Harris to a secondary that already had Casey Hayward and Derwin and um, has a couple good pass rushers. So when we're talking about combating the Chiefs, um, especially combating the Bucks with their three viable tight ends, and then combating the Saints who have Jared Cook, who has you know, emerged and become a pretty good weapon, and they spread the ball around. I mean, you need Derwin to do all that stuff. So not only does it affect them, you know, I, I don't know if this is season long, half season, if it's whatever it is, uh, those first few games are in jeopardy against, you know, really difficult passing offenses. So I, I think it's going to affect them pretty badly. I mean, I think it'll affect them. But like I say, there, most teams that lose a guy like Derwin do not have a Desmond King and a Chris Harris waiting in the wings to be able to play the slot and match up with tight ends and those kinds of things. Like the Chargers do. Um, they were already in a spot where they, they didn't have too many guys like that, but they were already in a spot where getting all of those guys on the field at the same time was going to take a certain degree of creativity. So... Now, I mean, it makes life easier in terms of it's just a simpler matchup, right? Derwin, uh, Chris Harris is going to cover the slot. Desmond King is going to be the strong safety that matches up with tight ends. The end. Um, I, I look I, like I say, I think it'll hurt them, but I don't think it's a catastrophic problem. Um, I, prob- I think they already had the quality to be able to deal with this better than almost any other secondary in the NFL. It does put a little pressure on 2019 second rounder Nasir Adderley. He was out all of last season. Um, he looked like your pure free safety coming out of the draft. If he's going to play that role, because uh, the Chargers are, they're the most Seattle of all the Seattle cover three teams. I mean, right. they stick to that system um, even more than Seattle does at this point. So they are, here's a free safety. Here's a strong safety. Rayshon Jenkins will probably play that strong safety role. Nasir Adderley more of that free safety role. So I think the pressure's on those guys to produce yes there's some versatility as you mentioned you know with Desmond King with Chris Harris having Casey Hayward's great uh, but man I, I really just wanted to see this team I, I just wanted to see that back seven compete especially against yeah. some of those really good teams early in the season did so. you see the snaps that Derwin was getting playing cornerback in one-on-one drills against Keenan yes. Allen yes here's here's Ridiculous. what I was thinking about asking at some point before he got injured like would the Chargers be better off asking Derwin to become the number two cornerback than they would be having him as this jack of all trades, you know, guy that can do everything in the secondary? Is he actually more valuable if he can be a viable, half decent number two cornerback for them, as opposed to them having to, like, that's the one question mark that we circled in the secondary, right? They're loaded everywhere. They've got a million slot options. They've got a, a, an elite number one in Casey Hayward. That number two. You know, we were kind of mocking them um, to a corner in the, the top of the, f- uh, the first round. And it's like, uh, it's, it's just the one bit that I'm not 100% confident in. But if, like, if Derwin can go one-on-one with Keenan Allen, who's arguably the best route runner in the NFL, and hold up, like the value of being a, a legit number two corner is probably higher than the value of being this guy yes. that does everything. Yeah, absolutely. And, but, you know, again, he does everything, but like kind of in a limited role. It's but it's like, more hey, you're boring. safety. Yeah, like you're really good at what you do, but my goodness. I mean, so that's what Jalen Ramsey did at Florida State. I mean, right. Jalen Ramsey, who's now an outside corner, came in as a true freshman, played free safety. Then he kicked down into the slot his second year. And then his third season, he became an outside corner. And that's what he's you know become at the NFL level. I mean, 
the different there's there's a weight difference in Derwin. He's a little bit bigger and all that stuff. But I used to joke, right? He could play tight end. He could do all these different things. Now we have actual video footage of him manning up against a great route runner like Keenan Allen. Like, absolutely. I would have loved to see that, you know, take that shot at him at corner. And we say that draft time all the time, right? That guy, you know, like Marvell Tell comes out of USC a couple of years ago as a safety who has just, you know, the upside at cornerback is just so immense. The Colts are going to, you know, give him a shot there with his length and movement skills and all that stuff. We've seen that with a few guys. That would have been fascinating. And Derwin is one of the few freak athletes that can actually pull it off. And then worst case scenario, you put him back at safety and just, you know, go play football the way you normally did. So I'm sad for football, Sam. That's it. Yeah, I mean, I, it is a bummer. I'm kind of curious to see how that would have worked and whether the Chargers would actually be better off doing it, though. Um, but, yeah, hopefully, you know, it's a meniscus injury. It shouldn't be a long-term thing, but it's. I think they're talking about some kind of significant time, so he's going to miss some kind of regular season action. We'll see how they um, patch that up without him. But, uh, like I said, I, th- I think they'll be okay. Also sad for football. Leonard Fournette has just been released by the Jacksonville Jaguars huh. here on this Monday morning after they tried to trade him. Uh, Doug Marone is, is already on the Zoom call saying they couldn't even get a fifth or sixth round pick for him. We've beaten him up quite a bit on here, but let's just keep it simple. Leonard Fournette is not a good back for today's NFL. He doesn't make guys miss. Um, I, I think, you know, I love going back the way I did with Derwin and, and let's, let's see the whole body of work because we have it for these guys. We've seen Leonard Fournette. We graded him when he was a true freshman. He has one really good season out of the six that we've graded for him. That's, yeah. that's the truth. And, and it was that sophomore year. It was really good. Where he, it was really good. He actually, I remember him coming in as a freshman thinking, this guy doesn't move all that well. He's more of a power back. And then his sophomore year, he added some wiggle. And I was like, all right, he started to turn things around a little bit. But then his junior year, he was a little banged up, and he didn't have it. And then his entire NFL career, even when it seemed like he was one of the catalysts for that AFC championship run by the Jags, he's straight line, doesn't actually run people over at the NFL level, and he's like Thomas Jones, takes what's there. Like yeah. late career Thomas Jones uh, takes what's there, and that's it. So a uh, disappointing three-year run for Fournette and Jacksonville. So just to jump back to the Derwin thing for a second, um, I pulled up all of these snaps that Derwin actually has in the NFL playing wide cornerback over his career to well see done. what he's managed. Well done, PFF Ultimate. Now, most of that is going to be against tight ends and running backs as opposed to wide receivers. But Derwin, when he's lined up at cornerback so far, wide cornerback, has been targeted five times, allowed three catches for 20 yards, has given up one first down from five targets and has four defensive stops. So I'm all for the Derwin at cornerback experiment. Um, But yeah, back to Lenny. So here's the – generally I'm not – I think the league has has gone away from the giant bruising power back, right? The guys – um, that used to be, you know, Christian Okoye, right? This monstrous guy that was like as big as defensive lineman, just rumbling through the, 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 the line and trying to get as much yardage as possible. That was an effective strategy once upon a time. Uh, it isn't anymore. And most of those guys are just not successful. And it's, it's not the type of skill set you should be looking for when you're trying to draft a running back, regardless of where you're drafting them. On the other hand, it can still be successful with the right sort of skill set, right? Like Derrick Henry is maybe the archetype right now. Is this 250-pound monster 
in a league that's trending ever more to, towards smaller, faster defenders, like when he gets ahead of steam up, it's really hard to stop that guy. He's massive. I mean, we were just talking about you know Dante Dion, the Rams cornerback. That guy is outweighed by 100 pounds trying to stop a Derrick Henry. Like, it's absurd. It's just like trying to throw yourself in front of a freight train. You're not stopping it. Um, so, like, Leonard Fournette, should be in the Derrick Henry mold, but he isn't. Like, he doesn't run people over. Derrick Henry smashes guys left, right, and center. He's got a stiff arm from hell. Like, he he is really hard to bring down, however effective you believe that to be from your overall offensive strategy. But Fournette isn't. He's just, he's pretty fast in a straight line when he's going. He's pretty heavy, but not, like, not oppressively so. But he doesn't have this, the thing that Derrick Henry has, just this, juggernaut-like ability to smash through whatever contact is coming to him, he runs relatively quickly in a straight line and usually goes down upon first contact. To be fair, I think we could have said the same thing about Henry after the first, what, two and a half years of his career and yeah. said, you know what? He's, why isn't he running people over? And that, it, it did feel like that Thursday night game against the Jaguars in 2018 was like the turning point for Henry when he decided to go full beast mode and start running people over. Um, and he always had it in him, but then he, you know, it just came out um, after people were like, why isn't he doing this? Why isn't he running people over as much? I'm not saying Fournette could just flip the switch or anything like that, but you know, Henry kind of got off to a slow start, I think in his career, when it came to um, the way he, you know, compared to where he's been running over this last year and a half. He, he certainly um, did I'll, in terms of broken tackles, but he was always averaging a ton of yards after contact. Like, that guy true. has always been tough to bring down in a way that Fournette hasn't been. Like, there's a couple of years ago, there was a play that I think is the most Fournette play ever where he got into the open – he got into open space against a Steelers defensive back. I forget who it was. Mike Hilton, maybe. And, like, lowered his head, plowed into him at, like, a million miles an hour. It was an incredible collision – and he made no yards after contact. Like, he sent the DB <laughs> right. flying, but he hit the ground after it. Like, at which point, there is no point in what you're doing. It's great to look at. Like, you just flattened a dude who weighs 80 pounds less than you do, but you gained no yards in doing so. So what was the point in it? Like, if that was a normal running back, he would have just juked the guy, made a miss, and gained four yards after contact. Like, the thing that you're good at is literally pointless. Uh, it's also, you know, I love the uh, another reason why I love the PFF grades. He did have that one game against the Steelers, his rookie season, 2017, because he, he didn't even average four yards per attempt that year. And that included a 90 plus yard run against the Steelers uh, in you know, week five, I think it was. So, you know, he runs for 182 yards, 90 of which came on one play. Right. But the way we graded it was like pretty much all on the Steelers. They completely busted the run fit. Fournette ran through the open hole fast. As you mentioned, he could do that fast. Mm -hmm. So if you bust a run fit, he might be able to take it 90 yards. So on the season, he still averaged less than four yards a carry, including with including that 90-yard run. And grade-wise, even in that game, we were like, hey, he actually didn't grade all that well in the Steelers game. He just kind of ran in a straight line and you know did what he did. So um, I think it's enough beating up on Leonard Fournette. All that said, he could Never. go pair with Derrick Henry right now, Sam. He well, could go to Tennessee, and they could both be back there. Yeah, so for his career, he has allowed or he has gained 2.7 yards after contact per carry, which is not good. I mean, that is a bad number. I'm just, in fact, I have to go past the first page on 
PFF premium stats 2.0 to find that, uh, where that lands in terms of running backs last season. It's a lot. Like, Philip Lindsay had 2.71 yards per carry after contact last season, and Philip Lindsay weighs about as much as your left leg. Like, Leonard should be gaining more than that if you're going to be a power back. Any decent, like Nick Chubb was at 3.7, a full yard per carry after contact. So he just hasn't been what anybody thought he was going to be, I think, at, at number four overall. Even if you thought number four overall was a reach, he still has, he's still been a disappointment. My question would be, though, is there a – like Jacksonville's offensive line has been kind of garbage for his entire time there. So is there a scenario whereby he lands in a new team with a much better group of blockers in front of him and you get to see something like what first-round Lenny is supposed to look like? I think the answer is always the Ravens. <laughs> you know, it, it, but like here's the thing: like I watch Mark Ingram run. He could be a beast in that offense on the basis Mark that Ingram, almost any running back could. I would. Everybody would be right, and I would put everybody with the Colts, right? Like, hey, you're gonna have a great offensive line. But the thing about like Mark Ingram, if you have a power back with speed, yeah, I think they're even more valuable with the Ravens because you're gonna have more yards before contact. Because yes. forget this, like it's still in your will, and but. There is something to like, here's a dude running fast that you don't want to tackle. And when that happens over and over and over again, if you can assure that that's going to happen, that is not fun for the defense. No, well, right? it's, it's also I think, just physics. I think chasing that is difficult to happen, difficult to do. But like, if you know that you could put him in that system, Fournette could be scary. Yeah, I mean, I don't think chasing it is the difficult part. The difficult part is getting the thing necessary to make that happen. Like, it will happen in Baltimore because they have a good offensive line and Lamar Jackson and an offense that exploits those two things together to generate right. the highest yards before contact figure in the NFL. If you have that, you can then go and find the running back that makes perfect sense within it. It's, it's getting a running back who you know can exploit that and just thinking it'll happen because, you know, for no other reason. Like, you need to have the environment for that guy to succeed. I, I do agree that, look, if you are 200 and whatever he is, like 245 pounds and can run really fast, like it's simple physics. Again, it's like there's enough Dante Dion's in the world where that trying to stop that once it's got a head of steam is not easy. And, okay, he might have less ability to make guys miss and to you know break tackles generally. But like if you put him in a system where instead of Jacksonville's offensive line making him pause and pick his way through gaps and slow down if he can just run the damn straight line towards the open hole and suddenly he's one-on-one with a safety trying to come down and fill it that's like eventually he's going to bust a couple of those and in two out of his three years in the nfl he's got long runs of like 80 plus yards like the third one he's got a long of 25 so sometimes it doesn't work but like he is a big play threat because of that size and speed combination it's just that unlike derrick henry it doesn't work as well in confined spaces and when he doesn't have like a full head of steam to just truck a guy. Yeah, so I don't have a good answer for where he fits best. I, I, Baltimore I think was a good answer. You did it. Baltimore, I mean, Baltimore's, but like they've already stocked up on backs. Right, right? but now so, he's going to cost like nothing. Like he's a cast off. True. He just got dumped from um, Jacksonville, so the guy's asking price is not going to be high. I think Baltimore could absolutely add him as a competition and then see what sticks. Like if, if he's not good for the in the – First couple of weeks they have him, they get rid of him and move on. And, of course, the other limitation with Fournette, he's not great in the pass game. Caught a lot of passes last year. Doesn't do much with them after the catch. Same yeah. same issue. But um, Leonard Fournette, a free agent right now. Sam, quick break to tell you about our friends over at Underdog Fantasy. It's our new favorite place to play fantasy football for real money. 
With Underdog, all you need to do is the fun part, which is draft. Forget about injuries, trades, waivers, or setting lineups. Just set it and forget it and wait for the winnings to come in, including this year's $1 million tournament. That's right. Just draft the best team, and you'll have a shot at $1 million in prizes. So just sign up for Underdog today. Enter Best Ball Mania for a chance at $1 million in prizes by going to underdogfantasy.com or in your app store, you search Underdog Fantasy. So it's underdogfantasy.com or search Underdog Fantasy in your app store and then enter the code PFF after you make your first deposit. Get in there, set it and forget it. Just draft. It's all Sam wants to do. He's lazy like you. Mm-hmm. So just draft your team. They'll pick the best players. I love best ball and you have a chance to win $1 million. It's underdogfantasy.com or search Underdog Fantasy in your app store. All right, Sam, we're going rapid-fire training camp buzz. Are we going to buy or sell? I asked my followers to give me their best training camp buzz. Let's go back and forth with things we're hearing and uh, what we think, you know, if they're uh, legit or not. Let's start with Joe Burrow being a star at Cincinnati Bengals camp. They're already talking up the number one overall pick. Yes. Um, I, I I'm kind of both. I think he will be a star, but I don't think he's going to be particularly great year one because he's going to get buried behind that offensive line. Like it's kind of easy. It's relatively easy to look like a star as a quarterback in training camp with the red jersey that they can't touch. You know what I mean? It's a lot harder when everybody on the defense is trying to kill you and they can actually hit you and hurt you. Um, So I can fully believe, fully buy into the idea that Joe Burrow in the current scenario looks like a superstar And I would imagine that all things being equal in his first season, like if they keep him clean, his grades, et cetera, from a clean pocket will be fantastic. My concern would be that I don't think there'll be enough of those for him to look good overall in year one. I think he'll struggle. Uh, I'm buying. I I think I think he's going to look like a star. But, yeah, the the offensive line is, uh, you know, a little sketchy. How about Baker Mayfield and Odell Beckham? This is it. This is it's just a year late. Yeah, they're starting to turn heads. They're going to do it. So I think Odell Beckham will look back to being vintage Odell Beckham. I think he's going to look good. I'm starting to get kind of concerned about what I'm seeing from Baker Mayfield. Now, granted, this is all just working on limited snapshots from training camp. Like most of this hype is coming from the Browns themselves who keep posting these touchdowns of Baker to to Odell. Um, Tyler's probably in the booth over there crying about what I'm about to say. But I even in these clips, like Baker's doing some weird stuff in the pocket. Why are you dancing around? No, no, he's not upset. He's actually angry. I'm getting the finger from Tyler in the booth. Um, but I'm getting these, you know, Baker's still dancing around the pocket, making these weird moves that like, this is this was your problem last year. This was the single biggest issue with your game is getting happy feet in the pocket, doing crazy things that you didn't need to do. You need to get comfortable back there and deliver the pass. Now he's delivering the pass, but I'm, I'm still a little bit worried by what he's doing in the pocket. Look at you already. You're buying into training camp videos, looking at the the wrong stuff. You don't know what they're working on. You think they're working on happy feet? Pocket movement, perhaps. Pocket, like you know, nobody works on like dancing around like a psycho and then heaving the ball deep. Or if they well, do, I'm that's buying, a problem. I'm buying that hype too. Okay. How about Big Ben? Arms looking great. Bounce back for Big Ben. Bounce back for Big Ben. I uh, kind of. I I don't know why, but part of me wants to buy into this. It's now been like two years since we've seen like really good Big Ben. Um, obviously the injury took him out last season, but even the year before that, he wasn't particularly great. Like his numbers 
were significantly better, I think, than his down to down performance. So, and he had like he injured a a part of him that's a fairly serious thing if you're a quarterback and a guy that throws the ball for a living. So, there's a lot of things that say that this shouldn't be a a, a, a real bounce back for Roethlisberger, and yet for some reason I'm actually buying into this one. I'm buying into all of it. He's bouncing. Well, you're back like naturally optimistic. This, of course, you're the you're the sucker that looks across all the training camp buzz and buys all of it. What? You know what I'm not going to buy? What are you not buying? Rashawn Gary has had a few sacks. <laughs> he's got some buzz going. I'm not ready yet. Rashawn Gary, I'm not buying into that one yet. He got – he's the – in fact, he is a, a perfect training camp hype guy because he has dropped weight. He's got shredded. He's done all those off-season things. He was texting his coach at 1230, 12, 30 minutes after midnight asking him about what he could get better at in his day off. That's part of the report too. Yeah, yeah. Come on. This oh, is all. Boy. He is like. He is actually. Maybe this season. This off season has been the perfect training camp hype candidate. He's got all first the, in the hallmarks. First in, last out kind of guy. Yeah. Well, guess what? Hard work beats talent per PFF. So well, he's been I'm working not hard. Sure. I know, but uh, I need to see it still. Okay. So I'm not buying into Rashawn Gary yet. All right. Uh, Le'Veon Bell, best shape of his life. That, that can't be true. <laughs> that sounds like a fake one. Le'Veon Bell looks slow. Buying or selling? Uh, well, so, no, I don't buy that he looks slow. Um, what my, I'm really interested to see if they're going to like Frank Gorham. Like, if Frank Gore's going to end up out touching Le'Veon Bell with the Jets because Frank Gore is this bionic man that never dies and Adam Gase loves him. And Le'Veon Bell, he doesn't. Like Le'Veon Bell has not worked so far with the Jets, not all, not 100% through the fault of his own. Like the offensive line was bad, but if you have a bad offensive line, do, do you trust Frank Gore to just lower his shoulder pads and pick you up three, three point five every single play? Yeah. Oh my gosh. It's going to be beautiful. <sighs> running running back buzz should all just be like that. Just shouldn't even be allowed. Well, Unless you start one. dominating one-on-ones, you should that's not even have – like there shouldn't even be reports on running backs from training camp. That's another one, especially now, that's like really hard to gauge because you're not – like you're not killing these guys the way you do in a, a regular game. It's not it's, – there's very little sort of live, live contact. You're not taking these guys to the ground that often. Like all this stuff about Leonard Fournette. Leonard Fournette probably looks fine in training camp because nobody can tackle him. All right, two more. What do you got? Wide receiver Colin Johnson for the Jaguars, a 6'6 monster. And wide receiver Brian Edwards for the Las Vegas Raiders, both getting huge hype, especially Edwards. People are already calling him wide receiver one. He was the second wide receiver that the Raiders drafted behind Henry Ruggs. Yes. Edwards, you, let's, let's start with Edwards. Well, Colin Johnson, I'm not completely buying it. He's a monster. He'll make a few catches. Great. Brian Edwards, are we buying his hype as a top wide receiver? Yeah, I'm not buying Colin Johnson either. Um, Edwards, I could see him winning that starting job. Like, the guy we assume will be their number one is Henry Ruggs. And we've talked before about, you know, this idea that if you expect a rookie to come in, hit the ground running, and be an elite player right off the bat, it's, it's, not, a great, it's not great odds you're battling. Now, Ruggs obviously has a ton of talent. But I can easily see a scenario whereby he is not like a consistent number one and he's a flashy big play guy and you get some um, huge touchdowns out of him every now and again, some highlight real plays. But a guy like Edwards eats into his snap count. Similarly, like the, the incumbent number one is Tyrell Williams, who is not exactly blowing you away in terms of what he can do um, and has been battling injury as well for seemingly his entire time there. 
So the door is open for a guy like Brian Edwards to be given the opportunity. And if you're a third-round pick or lower, half the battle is that opportunity, right? It's getting the chance to show that you belong, particularly now in you know, truncated training camps where you don't have preseason. You, you have to maximize the reps you're getting. The window has been open for him to get additional reps and show what he's capable of, and there's nobody ahead of him that like should keep him on the bench. Like there's no rugs you can make the argument for, but as I say, there's a gamble in that. So yeah, I'm, I'm, I don't know that he'll be that spectacular, but I think he'll get a shot to be better than the sort of standard third round pick. There's a reason why I think I buy into wide receiver hype. I, I think it's you know it's tough to trust beat reporters, Sam. It's it's tough to trust that they know what they're seeing, but they can they know how to count catches, and it's not that tough to report on catches. Right. True. Um, if they're reporting on a left tackle or a defensive line battle, eh, sometimes it can get sketchy depending on who it's coming from. But they can report guys are getting open and making catches. And it sounds like Brian Edwards is doing that. Plus, you mentioned he's a third round pick, but it was in one of the deepest wide receiver drafts yes. that we've seen. So a third round pick in this draft, he could have been a second rounder. Good point. I know a lot of people did really love him out of South Carolina. He was one of the uh, he had one of like the widest ranges of opinions, I think coming out so because wide receiver play is so difficult to project when i hear the good buzz coming out of camp i'm more willing to buy in so i'm going to buy into almost everything except for rashawn gary <laughs> and and colin johnson because yeah i think yeah. he's he's big contested catch guy he'll have some opportunities with gardner Minshew, but maybe not like edwards jaguars but, uh, head coach edwards. doug marone just said that they tried to trade leonard fournette and couldn't get anything for him oh yeah Tough that blow. would yeah, couldn't get a fifth, a sixth, a conditional hundredth. Conditional seventh. So. Yeah, couldn't get anything. Nothing. Sad day. Well, that's going to do it for us today. Guess what? We've got an incredible promo code. It's kickoff30, which is 30% off of any PFF subscription between now and September 14th. Prepare to win your fantasy drafts with PFF Edge or Elite, which contains all of our rankings, projections, and cheat sheets necessary to dominate your leagues like I do, like Sam would if he played a little bit more. Um, so honestly, it's the only way that I play fantasy. I don't even have to prep that much. I just have my PFF stuff nice and handy. I use their rankings as a guide and honestly, I win a lot. So mm -hmm. that's just, uh, it's just the truth, Sam. I always send you my, uh, my results from my expert league and all that stuff. Well, it all comes from PFF fantasy. I use elite. You can also get stuff out of edge though. And you have kickoff 30 as a promo code that you can use to get 30% off either of those subscriptions between now and September 14th. So go check it out. All right. Hopefully it's you're a, back in a, the studio on Thursday. COVID free. Yep. We'll be out of quarantine. Out hopefully of quarantine. on Thursday. We'll see how we do. <laughs> lose the cough. Lose uh -oh. everything. Uh-oh. No, I'm good. I'm feeling great. Feeling better. Yeah. I'm going to set up a screen me. between you and me here. Just, just. We just probably should. Sure. At, least for, at least for one show. Mm. All right. It's a tight one today. We'll see you guys on Thursday.